episode of the Shots Fired Podcast. I'm Mark Rudlich. And I'm Kyle Schoberg. Uh, today, guys, we are here at the TAC Ops Conference in New York. I got to tell you, this has been an awesome, awesome event. There are a ton of vendors here, a lot of guests, guys from all over the state of New York, the East Coast. This has been fantastic. Mark and I actually wrapped up two classes that we taught. Awesome turnout. Thank you to everybody that came to our classes. We really appreciate you guys, your feedback, all the nice things that you guys had to say. Really, uh, we seriously thank you, appreciate thank you. it. Um, hey, we are kicking off the first episode actually here at the TAC Ops conference. We've got a cool podcast studio set up and we snagged the keynote speaker for the event, David Atkins. David, thank you for carving out time um, you. from your day. I know you are very busy. I know thank you're you. on a time limit here. You got to go down and do a keynote <laughs> speak. Yeah. Um, can you introduce everybody uh, or introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are and um, let's, we'll kick this off. Absolutely. And thank you guys. Thank you, Mark. How amazing what you both have done. And, and it's really an honor to come here and really to talk to all of you and just share a little bit about my story. So my background, I was a New York State Trooper for 22 years here in New York. Uh, I rose through the ranks of the state police, retired as a captain and ran all state police operations for the entire county of Westchester County. We handled about... Uh, four to 500,000 911 calls a year in our dispatch center for the entire county. Uh, through my career, I, you know, I was a trooper on patrol, was a first responder on 9-11, um, which is something that's near and dear to me. Uh, became a lieutenant, ran a lot of undercover operations, and then ultimately, ultimately you know, retired as a captain uh, with the state police. And then you know, at the same time, the last 10 years, my career uh, to just get more healthy and fit. I started working out at home doing a, a program called P90X and yep. did not know that there was a business side of things, just wanting to get healthy and fit. And people would just kind of like, Dave, what are you doing? And would just, <laughs> what, what are you, are you doing? doing? But dude, they did yeah. joke, you know, you know how that's law enforcement, Dave, what are those Richard Simmons programs yep. that you're doing and stuff <laughs> like that. And I just, uh, I, I just started sharing it and little did I know there was a business and, 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 and I grew it to a pretty large business around the country and was able to pay off, you know, a large quantity in debt and, and, and build a business and opened a door for me to be uh, a keynote speaker, a motivational speaker, and, 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 and just share my message to empower other people through motivation, inspiration, especially in the line of work being here today, because, you know, to humanize what, you know, law enforcement goes through and, 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 and the stresses of the job and what I did to flip the channel in my head to see life through a different lens, because it's very easy to fall into, you know, the stress of the job every day. Yeah. And we, and we talked a little bit before the show and, yeah. uh, you know, we, we shared with each other that there's so much more out there than just being a cop mm. and, and taking all the life lessons you learn of being a police officer or, or any first responder and using those lessons and going out and doing other things with them. Right. And mm. we very much encourage, you know, police officers and, and first responders to take the leap and become entrepreneurs and, and take those life lessons, life lessons, um, and turn them into something. Um, before we hit on all that, let's, um, you know, we've always been wanting to talk to somebody that actually <coughs> was on scene for, for 9-11. Mm -hmm. And you're actually yeah. the first guest that we've been able to talk to about that. Yeah. Can you share that with us? No, absolutely. So uh, I remember exactly where I was. I was actually in in-service training with the state police in a classroom. And 
and and when everything started happening in in New York, I was about my barracks, uh, state police barracks, was about. 45 minutes north of Midtown Manhattan. That's how long it took to get there. So I was in in-service training. We all got ordered to go back to the barracks, just wanted to get down there to ground zero. And I actually got sent down there the next day. And, you know, my story I always share is that you guys remember back in the day, those Kodak cameras in the aluminum yeah. foil that you, the one hour photo to yeah. jump off. So I grabbed one of those and um, I brought it down with me. And I remember when I went down to ground zero, I was there the following day, my assignment was escorts. So I was escorting supplies and personnel on the rubble in and out of ground zero. And I remember getting there and I, and I got down to ground zero. And I remember when we walked, when people watched it on TV, all they saw was just what you see in front of you on the TV. Right. And that's all you can see. And I remember spinning around and looking up as far and as high as the eyes can see a pile of rubble for 360 degrees. And that's when I knew that there basically were not going to be any survivors. And I remember leaving there, not leaving my assignment that afternoon, I was driving back and I was blocks away from ground zero. And I remember looking up at a building that had no damage, except I saw metal beams, gigantic metal beams that were 20, 30, 40 stories in the air that were sticking out of buildings like spears. Wow. And that's what? when I knew like this metal went end over end through the air and just penetrated into buildings. And I remember seeing that and wow. realizing like that was what was flying through the air. Wow. And that first couple of weeks I was down there <clears throat> and I bring up the Kodak camera because I never took one picture because no I was so caught up in my assignment the magnitude, I forgot I had it. So all my memories are, are up here, wow. you know? And, and to this day, the hard thing is, is that I'm in the 9-11 first responder program. Uh, every year I go through a pretty um, intense physical chest x-rays because there's still people. Yeah. One of my friends, my classmates, you know, rest in peace, Ryan Fortini died from a 9-11 related cancer. And I still have to be monitored because people are still getting sick today. And, and even... Uh, last year's sickness, they called me the next day. They were like, David, we found some spots on your lungs and, and, you know, put me into a little bit of a, of a, uh, you know, panic. a panic, you know, and like I shared with you guys earlier, I like to say life doesn't always fire a warning shot. And for me, like everything's normal until it's not yeah. right. And then, uh, went through rigorous testing and ended up being nothing, but it's still something that even now today, all these years later, I still, you know, I'm still haunted with it. Well, we, yeah, we right. monitor the officer down memorial page yep. and it lists all the officers yep. that have that have unfortunately passed away and and it's still every year one is coming up one this year yep. for the loss of uh 9-11 incident yeah, yeah we I'll tell you what i uh was in new york last year for the first time ever and my i've a life goal of mine has always been to go to ground zero like mm. I've, I, I remember exactly where i was too right in yeah. california i was in my mom's bedroom when watching it on tv going to i was a freshman or sophomore in high school and uh, I had the opportunity last year to make it to ground zero. Mm. And I tell you what, I, wa I walked up the stairs and just seeing the fountains and everyone's names on the, um, you know, the edges of the fountains there was pretty surreal to me. And I did the same thing. I just stood there and I just looked up thinking these oh massive goodness. buildings were literally standing right where I'm at. Every, the, the, the history of 9-11 and mm. the wars and all of that started just right, right here. there. It was it was in, it's it, insane. It, it it's makes powerful. it no. It's very it's very powerful. And even when I go down there, and I went through the museum. I don't know if you went through the museum, yeah. which I hear they may be 
closing because it, it relies on, you know, funding with donations and stuff. And it was just going through that, you know, can give me chills and going back through it again. Totally. But, but it was, uh, yeah, I still think about it today, but I will never forget those things of spears. I'll never forget the pile of rubble. And I remember my, my family, I'm like, you guys don't understand. Like you're just seeing what's in front of you. It's everywhere as far as you can see. And so high, I, I don't know, you know, how many survivors they're going to you know, find, but it was, it was a powerful part of my uh, career. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing. No, yeah. no, of yeah, course. Thank you for that. Yeah. So what are you doing today? I mean, we talked a little bit before, but you've, you've authored a book. Mm. Yeah, you published a book. Mm. Um, you're here as a keynote speaker for yep. the TAC Ops conference. Right. What is your message to the folks that you're speaking to and what lends you to, to be here? You know, the, the title's Resilience in Law Enforcement. You know, and, and I never realized 10, 11, 12 years ago, I would ever end up where I am today. You yeah. know, but I'm very big that you know, work with, work with what you have, with where you are, because what you have is plenty. I think so often when we try to improve our life or get better, we're thinking about how do I get to step 12 instead of realizing just take that first step. And for me, it was, it started with, I need to get my health in better order. You know, my wife and I, you know, were, were, were a little bit overweight. We were stressed out, exhausted all the time, working a lot of hours in law enforcement, which we all do, feeling stressed all the time, overwhelmed. So I just started doing my workouts at home, P90X and you know, and the guys were laughing and joking. And I, you know, I said, Richard Simmons, you doing those Richard Simmons workouts, you know, but I got in great shape. And at the time, my wife and I were six figures in debt, living paycheck to paycheck. I think a big thing for so many people is that as we make more, we spend more. Yeah. And next thing you know, you make more money. I mean, I was making a great salary. My wife was a teacher with her master's degree, but we would just overextend ourselves. Stupid choices. I made them. And I finally, you know, when I realized and I got in great shape and I started sharing it with people, I started seeing a vision that there's there's people I can help. There's people I can give back. And I, I at first was just telling them, go to Google, get P90X. And then I started seeing people build this direct sales business, which, you know, my typical brothers and sisters in law enforcement, ah, oh, you in that pyramid scheme, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. and I went through that typical thing. <laughs> I know you guys probably did it, yeah. but I, the thing that I realized is I had a vision for something bigger and the only person you need permission from to be better in your life is yourself. Yeah, no doubt. And you have to let, you know, not other people's opinions and not your reality. Mm -hmm. So for me, I saw something that others couldn't see and that's all I needed. And I kept my head down and at night I worked my business after work and I grew it to a team of 1400 people around the country, around the world, uh, United Kingdom, Canada, and paid off six figures in debt. And and it just grew. And what started happening is through my success of things I learned, you know, one big thing is mindset. I, I realized that every single day we wake up, we put the news on, we consume the news, and then we, we turn more of the news on. We read the newspaper, we scroll social media that's full of negativity. And I, I flipped that upside down and said, you know what? No more. I'm going to plug into what I need to hear so I know what's going on. Yeah. But 10 to 15 minutes a day, I'm going to listen to YouTube videos and I'm going to read books that are going to fuel my mind to, you know, to live a more fulfilling life, to, to how to be more positive, to not get stressed out. And I followed, you know, whether it was Les Brown or Eric Thomas or Tony Robbins or Brendan Bouchard. And I basically blocked out the noise and I just started thinking differently. Cause you know what? We can't control what happens to us every single day. We yeah. can't control the protest. We can't control the pandemic, but you know what? You can't control how you react. Yeah. 
Yeah. Your attitude is a choice. Your mindset yeah. is a choice. So for me, I am very guarded with my inner circle of, you know, surrounding myself with people that I like to call them engines in my life, not anchors. Mm. And, you know, every morning I get a text from a, a, there's a group of guys. We send positive message, make today a great day, live after your dreams, be a great husband, kiss your kids goodnight. And those are the people I want in my life because it's very easy in law enforcement to go home stressed out. Yeah. And then we put the news on. And the thing is this, the minority may have the major majority voice right now, but that's not the case. Yeah. People really do support us. Yeah. But if you live a life by default, will you let life determine how you feel? That's what 98% of the world does. You're going to be stressed out. Totally, yeah. You yeah. know, but a 2% mindset, the life by design is where you're intentional to fuel your mind with something that's going to make you feel good. So whether it's while you're in the car listening to a book that that's going to help you think differently because I think too often we just kind of go through the flow of life. So this all led to my, my business beach body. I started speaking in a local library, sharing my story to a dozen people. And then it just kept growing to a couple hundred to a thousand and then 20,000 people in the NFL Superdome. And again, I never saw this coming. And it was a gift that I believe that, that God put in my path. And I retired at 43 and I, and I wasn't, it's a young age. Some people thought yeah. I was crazy, but I realized I had a bigger purpose. I had a bigger calling. And um, that's why I decided it's time to go and share my message and, and inspire and empower other people. And And then I wrote a book about what I like to say, um, the leveled up life, the no excuse blueprint to live a life up to your fullest potential. And it's just pillars and principles to apply to help you live you know, a better life, to feel good, to feel more, be more fulfilled. What, what are some of those pillars? Like what is your morning routine? I know you said you spend the first 15 minutes. Yeah. You wrote a book on it. What, what are the things? Yeah, so my morning routine, guys, it's very religious. I'm up at 4.30 every, my alarm goes off at 4.30 every morning, even on, you know, and I work for myself now as an entrepreneur. I get up at 4.30, I go down, I go downstairs, I take my pre-workout drink, um, and then I sit down. I do 10 minutes of guided meditation, um, then I do 10 minutes of silent meditation. So that's 20 minutes. Um, and again, that's something oh, I can't do that. You know, that hokey pokey stuff like that. That was me when yeah. I was told, but I, again, my, if my mind's not right, like I mentioned earlier, you can be in great shape and eat the healthiest foods, but if it's not right up here, yeah. the most important muscle, you know, that's it. So I do my, I do 20 minutes of that. Um, and then I, I do prayer every morning and then I journal gratitude journal. I write down, you know, you know, th you know, positive daily affirmations. I write down things I'm grateful for every single day. Cause the, the opposite of depression and anxiety is having gratitude, yeah. being grateful, like being grateful to, I did not know you guys yesterday and, and I'm in your path now and there today, like I can journal that I met you two guys and what you're doing and the gratitude. And it just, I just start the day with gratitude. Um, and then after that, after I journal, after I pray, after I meditate, then I go work out six days a week. And I do this before my kids get up. I, and I do that because I feel like win the morning, win the day. Yeah, Life yeah. gets in the way yeah, the rest yeah. of the day. Something will happen at work. Yeah. You'll get stuck with overtime. And for me, like I, I mentioned, I want my kids to get the best of me, not what's left of me. And I feel that by me taking care of myself, it's not selfish, it's selfless because now I'm a better husband, I'm yeah. a better father, I'm a better police officer. I handle stress better. You know why? Because I took care of my mind and I took care of my body. Totally, totally agree with yeah. that. Unfortunately, a lot of guys and gals in, in, the, in our career, you know, we get stuck in like that rut of mm. just of negativity. You know, you're going to negative stuff all the time. And, you know, you might get stuck on a patrol team, right? Where, and I'm sure everyone listening has had experienced this. I, I know yeah. all of us three have 
you get maybe just one negative person on, on your patrol shift or your patrol team, right? And, and those people can really just suck you down. It can suck yep. the whole team down, right? They're, they're a cancer of the team. And I've fallen victim to that. Um, but we need more positivity and mm. the message that you're spreading to law enforcement. You come from a law enforcement mm -hmm. world. And we were talking um, also before the show, you know, you were mentioning when you were going through the levels of command, right? Lieutenant yep. to captain, um, your bandwidth was, was stretched because mm. you're, you're training a new lieutenant, you're becoming a new captain, you're trying to learn that job. You know, you've got all these things going on in your life mm. and you found yourself struggling. Yeah, and you shared that absolutely. With um, I want to share that with people because I think it's important. And Mark, you had mentioned it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure this show is, uh, we probably drive in a lot of younger, younger cops mm. and, uh, they don't get to hear those things from a command staff mm. level. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, especially in today's day and age, you know, admin gets kind of shit on, Yeah. you know, everything seems to be the admin's fault. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to share, if you don't mind, yeah, absolutely. your struggles, being in charge, being at the top, at the mm -hmm. command level, and what you experienced and went through. No, absolutely. Um, so for me, when I was a lieutenant at the time, uh, in this exact moment, so I was a lieutenant, I ran uh, multiple undercover units for Southern New York from organized crime, money laundering, labor and racketeering, auto theft. So I had a busy position. I just got promoted to captain and the way the state police does it, you know, you find out you're promoted and usually it's effective, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later. So there's a transition phase. So during that transition phase, I was training the incoming lieutenant. I'll never forget the day I was training the incoming lieutenant. At the same time, I was being trained and brought up to speed on what's going on in the county. At the same time, my business was kind of tanking, had a rough year. It was moving. It was during the time that Beachbody, we went as a, as a society from like DVDs to digital. Mm -hmm. So the business had a transition from DVDs to being an online platform. So I took a big hit. My wife, we retired my wife seven years ago. Back, it must've been about four or five years before that to be home with our three daughters. Um, so we relied, our business was putting food on the table as was my job. So yeah. our business was struggling. I was concerned about that. I was dealing with the, the two new training, the new guy training, uh, getting, being the trainee. Yeah. Um, my wife was across the country at a conference for our business, uh, to better her own, you know, better her own self. And I'll never forget, yeah. like I got a call that my, um, they thought my daughter broke her wrist at school. I, I have three daughters and I, I just, I couldn't keep up anymore. I was burning a candle at both ends. The anxiety was through the roof and I found myself like dry heaving in the bathroom, like just burnt out. And, and I remember telling my wife, I said, I am going to work just as hard on myself as I did on all the goals I've achieved in my life. And I promised her that. And it took a lot and courage to pick the phone up and, and to say, I need to speak to somebody. And, and, it, and, and I did not allow myself to get to the point of where suicide was on my mind. It was not, but I recognized right away, like I can't keep up this pace. Yeah. And, and, and I asked for help and I know there's the stigma and you know, the job now, the jobs do a great job. You can call, you know, you can call EAP employee assistance program and you can do that, but there is that concern. So for me, like I gave myself permission to talk to somebody outside the job to just help me manage because in law enforcement, male, female, we're alpha males, alpha females. We're always the providers, right? To protect and provide for the family, but you cannot pour from an empty cup. And for me, like I finally recognized, like I just need to help navigate this time in my life. And 
it was a game changer. And that's where I learned about meditation. That's where the person I work with was like, David, you need to start meditating before you give yourself a heart attack. Like that's what it came down to. So I, I, I got over the, uh, I can't meditate and my mind races. No, I started with three minutes and, and it was life changing and got myself back on track and, and it's okay. And it's something I'm going to share today. And, you know, and I'll be honest, I, I, I personally, when I was starting to speak and still work, I probably wouldn't have shared it a couple of years ago because you worried about, you know, I had yeah. bosses too, but right now I am so past worrying about what other people think. I am on helping other people live their best yeah. life. And if I can help one person that maybe needs help, even maybe it's just anxiety. I mean, we, what you don't get, cops don't get called to good situations. Nope. It's always a negative environment. And then you go home and you turn the news on and then you think the world is ending and you don't realize how much that affects you subconsciously. So you have to have a program and be intentional about it. You can't leave your your growth and your mindset by accident. You yeah. gotta be intentional about it. And for me, that's what I did and and it was and it's okay to do that. Yeah, totally. And you know, I, I, lo I love that story and you had mentioned it, Mark, like you don't hear those stories from command staff no. members, right? And so I don't know, I think people need to reflect and, and understand that even people in your position or people that are up high in the ranks, you know, they, they're struggling too. And mm. you got to give people grace. Right? Like if you don't know what people are going through, you get, learn to give people grace. Or give yourself grace. Yeah. Give yourself, <laughs> give grace. yourself grace. It's okay. You're human. Like that was the yeah. thing told to me, David, you are human. What you are going through is human. It's just that it takes a lot of courage to say, Hey, can I, can I talk to somebody? Yeah. And it doesn't need to be to the point where you're thinking of suicide. Cause for me, like I said, it was far from that. It was just at a point that like, I'm exhausted all the time. I'm stressed all the time. I'm bickering at my wife. I'm short with my kids. This is not the way to live. Yeah. We both experienced the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we, we had to make that leap and contact, you know, EAP and same thing had to yeah. bypass the stigma and you know, we actually both did EMDR therapy and mm -hmm. we talk a lot about that. And so post-trauma therapy. Uh, so it's great. You, we People need people like us, like you, to share their stories. To mm. it, it just takes that to get someone to flip that switch and go, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And that's that's all it takes. Yeah, absolutely. And in hindsight, you know, I, I shared that when my, my best friend was, was a SWAT operator, state police, he was shot and killed. And, you know, and, and I should have got help the year after that. My wife, I, I looking back in 2007, his anniversary was actually April 25th, two days ago. Looking back, I definitely needed help, yeah. but I didn't know at the time. I didn't have the courage. I didn't have the, the mindset to recognize that, but it was hard. You know, you guys know, I don't need to tell you, but three days before on the phone, joking about a family vacation and three days later crying over his dead body in a, yeah. you know, in a violent shootout. And, you know, I like to say life doesn't always fire a warning shot. And, and we got to stop waiting for things in our life to be convenient or to have more time or be less busy to go after goals and dreams or better yourself because you may not be here tomorrow, yeah, totally. you know? Yeah. Well, we know you're running out of time. Yeah. We, I know you got to go down and do yeah. a sound check and get the keynote speaking thing on. Where can people find you? Uh, social media, your website, and how can they purchase your book? No, thank you. So my book, The Leveled Up Life, is on Amazon. You can. It, it was published last summer. Um, my, I'm all over social media, um, my Instagram, and I'm going to say this twice, David underscore W underscore Atkins, because <laughs> I have a lot of impersonators. The last two years I have really? somebody that's been impersonating me on hundreds of accounts, but you'll know the real account again, David underscore W underscore Atkins, Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, 
you'll find me. You just can Google my name. <laughs> you'll Very find cool. me online and cool. my book on Amazon. And guys, thank you, man, for your work, for Absolutely. what you guys do and spreading the message because I would not be able to share my story without you guys. All right. We'll take your information. We'll put it on our website. So thank you. Yeah, we'll put it, put it all in the show notes. You guys can um, look in the description and, and we'll put it all down there. Yeah. Make sure you guys go check out his book, The Leveled Up Life. Um, I'm definitely going to read it. That is for sure. And uh, I appreciate your time. Really. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks, thank, uh, you. Meeting you. thank you. Thank you. Make, make sure you uh, take your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, the guys now come in here. I left my shield okay. and ID at a table. And yeah. luckily it was safe with SWAT operators. But you guys yeah. know, you leave your shield somewhere. What do you got a little so bit of a panic? <laughs> you know, cop, cops are bad about yeah. uh, taking things that aren't theirs. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Would have right. made, made it theirs. Exactly. Well, thank you for coming. Right. Thank, thank you, you guys. Thank you. All right, guys. Stay tuned and we'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks.